Awesome. So, um, lovely to be here. So, <coughs> really, uh, Kim and I uh, love to come into the different congregations, see familiar faces, and we're excited to see new faces. Can you all hear me all right? Okay, good. So, I'd like to uh, maybe just um, kickstart off with some of the words that have come through, and uh, I may not get through everything that I have to, that's on my heart. But I think the Lord has done a lot within us already. But to start off, there was uh, just about two or three weeks ago, uh, those of you who don't know, sorry, uh, before I do that, Jenny and Anka, okay, are with, with us, uh, and we work in the children's church, and we oversee what happens globally um, within Joshua Generation Church, and uh, maybe I'll allude to some of these things as, as I do share, because I do want to share a little bit of the heart and vision for children's church, but I want you to be in the light of what God's been saying for us to be challenged and be willing to change. So about two, three weeks ago, um, uh, we, we've got two grandchildren, uh, Kim and I, okay, Harper and Matty. Harper is about six years old, and Matty is three years old. And the other day, she, they came to the church. We were sitting at, um, around in the Life Cafe, and uh, there's two play areas. Of those of you, some of know the Sunningdale venue, and there's the two play areas, the one where the preschoolers go, and then the new area with lovely green grass and the new area and everything. And as, uh, as I'm talking to you, I said, uh, Harper, after we had something to eat, we can go play. And we, there's two places we can go play. First of all, we can go play where all the, play, the playground stuff is and the slide is and that. And then we can go over to this area, this beautiful green you know, this looks lovely, and there's toys inside and everything. And she says, she says to me, she says, Papa, that's what she calls me. She says, we're going to go play there where the preschoolers play first. We'll go there first. And then we're going to go over to that other very, the very, very nice side next. She said, because, and then she said this. She said, because next is always more. Next is always more. And in the light of what God has been saying this morning to us, and I believe it's for all of us as believers, that if we want to live in the next of what God has for us, which is the more for us, there's more that's going to be required. So what the levels of faith of dependence on grace and trust that took us so far is not going to be enough for the season to come. And perhaps some of the words that have come through this morning of, of this call, this, 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 this warfare that we called is uh, through stepping out those, those the boots. Maybe they've been boots that we've worn for a very long time. And God wants us to step into them more. What that means for every single one of us may look very different. But in my experience as, as a believer of the Lord, and I've served the Lord and known him personally, got saved in 1970. Uh, coming up now, this coming weekend, Easter Sunday next week, uh, Easter Sunday morning, I, I, um, I got saved. I gave my heart to the Lord. And it's something which I'm trusting will carry me through that. And I'm hoping and trusting that what I share this morning will spur us on to live in the more and the more. And the more, and the more. So that's, that's my purpose this morning, uh, for our hearts to be stirred, to live in the more, for uh, that whole thing of a new heart that God's, this changing from a 
heart of stone to a heart of flesh. It's like a, it's a change in, it's a total new heart. <laughs> it's not just, it's not just a change. And, and a, a change, a, a flesh heart is one that can expand and grow. A stone heart is just hard. And uh, what God's done this morning, I trust, is watered our, our hearts just a little bit to soften the soil a bit. Cool. Okay, so, so uh, there are about 800 Josh Jenners under the age of 12. One in five Josh Jenners is under the age of 12. More or less. Hello? <laughs> and believe it or not, lambs are sheep as well. And, uh, and so I wanted to, uh, to share this this morning, just some thoughts with regard to Children's Church, the heart of Children's Church. But actually, my vision, my heart for Children's Church is my heart and vision for every single one of you and for me and for my life. And... Uh, so it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he gets old, he will not depart from it. Hello? Train. It's intentional. Uh, we as disciples and, uh, and of the Lord and children, are, they don't just change by osmosis. It doesn't happen naturally. It's intentional. There's some training up a child. Uh, uh, in the way he should go, and so I wanted to th this uh, this morning just just maybe throw some paint balls on on the, on on this on this wall, you know, and hopefully it, it spurs us on to bring some colour into our lives and creativity and all that. So with regard to discipleship, I'm just going to give a few opening thoughts with regard to my walk in the Lord over the last. 52 years, uh, 53 now, I think, yeah, 53 almost, no, 52, no, 52, so when you get to my age, maths is a problem, okay, by the way, I heard uh, you guys are looking for a venue where you can expand a bit, this place is getting too small for you, <laughs> Woo, man, this is lovely, feels like a church camper <laughs> every week, <laughs> it's lovely, okay. So one of the things, one of the key verses in my life has been Philippians 3 verse 12. Uh, it's been not, have, not that I've already obtained all of this, already have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So we will not take hold of what Jesus has taken hold of us for until he takes a hold of our hearts. <laughs> until he takes a hold of our hearts and we're willing to be held by him. This morning, I, f I felt that the Lord was stirring up our first love. We, we, can, we can say the holiness of the Lord and we can do all these things, but it can be, I think you've alluded to it quite a lot this morning. It's not just about academic head knowledge about the holiness of God. The holiness and purity of God is the most beautiful thing that points us to a place of intimacy with him. And what God is stirring up is a fresh love in our hearts for him that we run passionately, we, we press hold, we, we press on for the goal for which he took hold of me for. And then, next, is always more. There's always a pressing on. And my heart is that till the day I die, as long as I've got breath in, and as long as God gives me the energy, <laughs> I love it. 
long as God gives me the energy, I'm going to be pressing on to take hold of that which God took hold of me. Because he took hold of, hold of me when I was 10 years old in 1970. And by God's grace, I'm still running. We're still running. And I just love what I do, love being involved in what God's called us to. Uh, yeah, so uh, the second just truth just for me as well is uh, John 12, 24 says this. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives so as i die to the lord jesus as i as i die to myself and i and i'm raised up with him in my wake in my slipstream they're going to i'm trusting that there'll be many many people that lives will change there's a fruitfulness in my ministry and you know what i may never see some of that fruit in my lifetime i did also have a sunday school teacher Hello? And because of that Sunday school teacher, here I am. And uh, trusting and hoping and knowing that the Lord is doing something with my life, you know, and tr uh, impacting the lives of those around me. So this takes sacrifice. It takes perseverance. We're pressing on. It takes a life laid down for the Lord. And then there's this other just opening thought verse in Ephesians 2 verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he prepared for, for us a long time ago. It's a us and a we. Discipleship is a family business. Mm -hmm. It's a family business. The moms, the dads, brothers, sisters, children. And every single one of us play a part in shaping our lives together to become the church that he wants us to be. I want to tell you, I have learned so much from my grandchildren about the Father. They've shaped my life and shaped my thinking. And this can happen in children's church. When those, those are folk, I can, un I can tell you now, those folk that are, dealing with, that are teaching with those kids and spending time with those kids, their lives have been shaped by the children as well as they shaping the lives of those, of those children in, in, in their own life. And so it takes aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. So, so some of you saying straight away, children's church is not for me. Then actually if you're saying that, then what you're saying and what you committed to yourself to this morning is of no consequence. The, the, the truth is, we are dead to ourselves. So if you're saying, I'm not called to children's ministry, you're actually not part of his church. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying, it's a family business. So we think of children's ministries going out there on a Sunday, taking the kids. Does it tell you? The children see how you're worshipping up here at front. Radical, going for it. Hopefully this isn't a hard word. <laughs> I, I want to encourage you to live in the more because you are being watched. You're mentoring children. Someone said to me yesterday, uh, one of the leaders, one of the elders came to me yesterday and just said, I just want to thank you for who you are. I said, 
uh, what is how come? So she says, so just the way you are, what you carry, and sometimes when you lead a meeting, there's just you mentoring me from the front, and I'm thinking, really? <laughs> we are mentoring people all the time, all the time with, with what we do. For we are God's masterpiece. He's putting us together, and we're all playing a part. Now, I'm not saying every single one of us are called to go out there every week, but every single one of us are called to live lives that shape the destiny and future of one another and our children. And uh, and so some of you may say, some of your grannies may think, oh, well, or grannies and grandpas, so, uh, take their son out there, it's Chris and Trader here. Oh, wow, okay, they, we go back a long way with them, oh, man. Okay, yeah, we go back a long way with them. Yeah, so, um, so grannies and grandpas, yeah, you think, okay, you don't have the energy for, you may not have the energy for there, but perhaps you may have the energy and heart to go pray for the children. Perhaps some of you guys who are on worship and musical instruments that may be happening, I don't know, can go help worship with the children. Comms on a Wednesday night. How inclusive are we with the children in the comms? Or were you giving them iPads and phones to go play in the room out there somewhere? So this is a family affair. I want us to encourage us that, that what we do with one another, not only our children, but with each other. People are watching us. We're shaping we are shaping one another's lives all the time. Discipleship is a uh, uh, discipleship, what we call to. And Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. It was from the process where he started, I'm about my father's business. That's what Jesus said when he was 12, by the way. And we want our children to be uh, about our father's business. I don't know about you, and I'm trusting this in your heart. We do not want to lose one. I want to pray for you. Can I just pray for all of you and for your kids right, right now? Father, I pray that for the children of this congregation, we would not lose one. I pray for the dynamic encounter through the Holy Spirit with you, Jesus. That just like that three-year-old came to know you last week, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you'd seal by your Spirit in that child's heart that they, that, that, yeah, I think it was a she, eh? he, is yours, is yours, belongs to you. And I know there are going to be decisions that they make down the road and recommitments in a way in their mind, but I pray that you would seal any decision that the children make by your spirit. We do not want to lose one, God, but they would all be drawn into this magnificent journey of knowing you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. That our children. When they arrive on a when they when they arrive on a Sunday when you arrive on a Sunday, children alone, don't don't doubt how you part of our part of our family, eh? Anyway, I've spent a long time <laughs> just on that. So um so we want to create a culture of uh of true passionate followership of Jesus. And I'd like to share with you just three truths this morning from a passage that uh that I feel is something that can just uh, ground something of the depth that the veneer within us can just be grounded in. And how do we create a culture of passionate followers of Jesus? Who? Is that all right? <laughs> okay, let me just get some water quickly.
what kind of legacy are we going to pass on? Okay, there's this passage, uh, Genesis 26, verses 23 to 25. speaks about Isaac. God has spoken to him about a destiny, about a, about a promised land, about a future, about a, a, a place of blessing, a place of abundance, a place of fruitfulness. And there are these uh, three verses here that I just want to highlight three areas that we can, how can we establish a culture within our own lives? Remember, a culture is established first in our hearts. It needs to be rooted here. I've been part of a, a New Testament apostolic prophetic movement since 1983, I think. And I'm still growing. <laughs> but there's something deep in my heart that I've wanted a culture of uh, authentic Christian New Testament living that that is that is just so different to what the world is seeing. I think Andrew calls it, I think, with regard to, Andrew said, uh, with regard to uh, 412 churches is changing the way the world sees church and the church sees church. And the, these are the three things. So it says there, from there, from there, that's Isaac, went up to Beersheba, which means me, place of promise, really. That night the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. I'll bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant. Can you see the, the, the generational blessing that God wants to bring uh, on, on us who love him? And after he, um, God had spoken to him, this is what Isaac did. He said, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. The way we establish a healthy fellowship of culture is you build an altar, pitch a tent, dig a well. And I want to just touch on those three things. I don't know if I'll get through all of them, but um, uh, I'm touching. I'm uh, I hope that this will encourage us and build something going in depth in our hearts, you know, what the Lord's been saying this morning to us. An altar is built, by the way. doesn't just appear. Altars are built. There's work. There's intentionality. There, there, there's, there's something that we have to do for us to live in what God's called us to live. So the building of the altar, whenever they build an altar, obviously the end, the end product of building an altar was sacrifice. So as we build, the purpose of it is that we can, in the end, put ourselves on it, <laughs> in a way. But a huge uh, reason why they would build altars in those days is so that they would remember. Remember. And there are three things that I believe that, that uh, as, as they were building altars in those days, they would remember. Number one, they'd remember the promise of God. They'd remember that, that God's got a promise for them. This is the promised land. God spoke to me. I'm remembering the promise that you spoke over my life or our lives together. The thing that has kept Kim and I going for so many years, I know it's a love for Jesus and that, but was the promise of something more that God has for us all the time, we press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of us. 
Kim and I planted the church in Mossel Bay in the year 2000, a year after Josh Jamos planted here. And we pushed through difficult times, good times, times of doubt, times of fear, all times of self-doubt, times of striving, times of surrender. We pushed through those times, not because we felt God had, we were special in any way, but we knew what God said. We knew God's promise. And so when we remember, we celebrate. We remember, we celebrate. We remember, we celebrate. That's how we build a culture. You remember and you celebrate. Remember what God has said? You remember what God's promise is? You celebrate it. So it's a picture of the promise of God, living in God's plan. The second is it's, it's a picture of the presence of God. When we see those stones, and every time they set up, they set up an altar was, God was here. God was present. God was tangible. God was experienced here. And for me, and my prayer is, ongoing prayer is, that God's omnipresence, His omnipresence becomes an on-me presence. That God, who, who's ex self-existent, who is totally self-sufficient in himself, sovereign over all, presences himself amongst us. Just wait there. Man, you look here, man. Just look at the mountain, man, and, and what's this? Just God saying, and just a little bit of finger work, maybe moving some tectonic plates or whatever it was. Just like showing him. God's here, man. But he's not just here in creation. He's here. He's here. And we remember God's here. But then we don't just remember his promise. We don't just remember his presence. But we remember his power. That in this moment, when he's present, he doesn't just watch. He's actively involved in changing people's lives. Shifting thoughts, shifting cultures, shifting the way we think. Changing hearts. Uh, moving us on into the more and, and healing and making whole and, and urging us to more. He's busy all the time and the incredible thing is we are God's masterpiece. He uses us to demonstrate his heart, his power. When it says, where two or three are gathered, there Jesus is amongst them. He's not just, hmm, and watching. He's moving. He's amongst them. Like Jesus was amongst. Sorry, is the sun in your eyes? <laughs> so we remember the promise of God. And we've got to build. It's work. We've got to, something we do. We've got to intentionally do this thing. We remember the promise of God. Remember his presence is with us. Remember that there's, he's, he's omnipotent and he can change anyone's life. The gospel, the power of God, the salvation of a three-year-old, 97-year-old, black, white, whatever 
grace, creed, the gospel, the message stays the same. And that's God. Amen? And we've got that. We've got, we've got him here. And we've got his word in us. And so the end product of building this altar and we're remembering is worship. End product is an altar that we built of worship. And this is what it looks like. So the just four quick things that I feel we need to remember this in, in this building of the altar. The Lord appeared to him. The Lord appeared to him. We remember who it is that invites us into his presence. We remember who it is invites us to know him. That scripture, I think it's in Proverbs 3, where it says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways. In other words, day by day, all your ways, your work, your school, your, your university, wherever, in all your ways, Acknowledge that word acknowledge means know him by experience. So it's not just know he's around, just know he's with me, he's watching me. You want to keep your heart pure, a lot of the purity, know that he's watching. Now he's with you. Him. And so the, uh, this morning, the, the ho what we teach our children, what we need to grab with ourselves, something we grab with all the time is the fear of the Lord and the intimacy with the Father. Those two areas, we, 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 we vacillate sometimes between the two, but to understand that the fear of the Lord, it's like, let me, the fear of the Lord is something like this. Imagine a lion in the night, a male lion, can you visualize it? At night, in dark, there's, there's no, yeah, yeah, at night, yeah. You've got to visualize, okay? Okay, you don't need to visualize, okay? You just need to hear. Now, I want you to visualize that sound. Sorry, was that like a lion? Okay. <laughs> okay, I want you to visualize that you, this little day cookie, and you hear that. I won't go down that road, okay. <laughs> but you can imagine that it's paralyzed with fear. And all it wants to do is run. Okay. But then you hear the lion, the, that saying, <laughs> But now think that you're the lion cub. How do you feel? Secure safe as long as you stay close the fear of the lord brings us close to him it's the same the holiness is a beautiful thing the holiness of the lord keeps us pure man keeps our motives pure one of the things i felt uh came across what i felt this morning sometimes the things we don't do that are sin Omission, I think that's the word. You actually, you know the Lord speaking to you about children's ministry. Uh, we get feedback quite regularly. And 
not all of them, but there are quite a few congregations where the feedback is, we need workers. And I'm thinking, this is the very best place to show kids and God's people and his lambs and his sheep what God is like. It's the best place. It's the whitest harvest. It's the easiest people to disciple, especially the boys who are ADD. <laughs> That's why we need men who are ADD. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, if God is sovereign over all, then surely He's sufficient in all. And if He's sufficient in all, am I fully satisfied in Him? Fully satisfied in Him. We need to. We need to know the one who calls us and invites us to know him. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. The holiness and yet this love of the Father that he draws us into his presence. I wrote, I wrote these things down and just I'll read them out because it's, <laughs> it's easier. We need to see him who is invisible, making, making visible the improbable. We need to believe him who is invincible for that which is impossible. Can I read that again? Okay. Sing him who is invisible, making visible that which is improbable. Believing him who is invincible for that which is impossible. This is the God that invites us to know him. Amen? Yes. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, there's a scripture that just summarizes Justin Kidd's heart, and uh, I think it should be, I love it, just... Uh, Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 to 2, about Moses coming out, uh, Moses and, and uh, God's encounter with Moses. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. Pharaoh represents the world. I've made him and his I've made him and his officials stubborn. So that I can display my miraculous signs among the Egyptians, among them, okay? It says, and this is where I love it, it says, I've also done it so that you can tell your children and grandchildren about how I made a mockery of the Egyptians. Don't you just love that? This is our life's goal. This is what Jesus did. Made a mockery of what the devil intends. Made a mockery of the enemy. I made a mockery of the Egyptians and about the signs I, I displayed among them. Here it is. So that you will know that I am the Lord. That's Justin Kidd's purpose. Making a mockery of the enemy, the brokenness, the sin, the things that destroy us as humans, that separate us from him, making a mockery of the work of the enemy, destroy the works of the evil one, so that we may know that we are called into intimate love relationship with Jesus himself. Beautiful picture, eh? And in that, there's this making that which is supernatural, uh, making the supernatural natural. So we, we remember him who invites us to know him. The second thing we need to remember is what God has said. Do not be afraid from with you. There it is, the presence of God. Remember what he has said. 
And I will bless and increase the number of your descendants. There's the promise. Remember his presence. Remember his promise. Remember, celebrate. Remember, celebrate. This altar. It's a beautiful picture. I wish I'd always been courageous. I stand here and I've walked a long way, but I haven't always felt courageous. You know that scripture in Joshua 1? Be strong and courageous, you know, for you're going to die in the land. And Joshua just, I'm seeing, Brooke stand still, your boss is bong me, you know. You see, being courageous, being courageous, not feeling courageous. Being is a is a question of position, not of emotion. It's it's a place of surrender that I find courage. When God says, "I need to trust you," I we started a building project in. Um, in Mossel Bay, 80, about 80 of us, as you were there, <laughs> eight, eight, about 80 of us, and we started a 5 million rand project in 2005. The l- we were bu- going to build a building for about two, 300 seater, and the Lord said the least of you will be 1,000. So we started to build a, a building for 1,000. <laughs> the Lord said, and I went there in February this year, the building is complete. I was scared. <laughs> but I trusted and we were disobedient. And so uh, when we remember what God has said, it results in consecrated service, in courageous faith, consistent commitment, and a conformed transformation to the image of Christ. Who of you know what this is? May not, may not have seen it because not all of your parents. If your parents are, they've been got this. Like it's what we send out every week. Jenny, together with Anka, they think about the scriptures that the kids are going through over there. And then they do a devo- family devotional based on the word of God. The curriculum is known as the Gospel Project. Those of you don't know. Now you do know. The Gospel Project is a curriculum that goes through the whole Bible over a period of two years. Every lesson has got a Christ connection. So every single scripture that we do, that every single time they were they get together, the, the, the story they're doing links to Jesus. Links to Jesus. Through the whole Bible, Jesus in the whole Bible, Jesus, Jesus. And so we felt during COVID that we need to, even before I think COVID started, we started this idea of actually getting a family devotional. And in this family devotional, there's reading the story and then there's adult nuggets that's there for the parents as well. And then obviously how do you discuss with your kids around the supper table about God, what God has said to them and how God speaks to them. The promises of God, the presence of God, the, uh, yeah, the, what, what, go- what God is saying to them. The word of God needs to be hidden in our heart. We, uh, we need to teach our children. We need to be confident in what God says. Amen? Confident in what God says. And they need a word. Do you read the Bible for personal encounter or academic knowledge? 
Jesus is on every single page of the Bible. I've just been going through the book of Exodus to finish the Canal study. Man, Jesus all over. All over. I love it. I love it. So, I hug a Bible reading, hug a quiet time going. You see, the doing this kids' church thing is very exciting. By the way, do you know what, do you know what this week's kids' church verse is about? Philippians 3.12. I'm preaching on that today. Last night, those of you at the, at the ordination and those uh, of elders, Brad shared, it was all about persevering, pressing on. But this morning, pressing on for the more that God has for you. But we need to change hearts for the more that God has for us. Cool. So it's uh, God. Remember who God uh, wants us to know Him. Remember what God has said, and remember thirdly our confidence to know Him. It says, "And Isaac called upon the Lord." There's this calling. There's this. Isaac knows God. He says, I want to come into your presence. I want to know uh, you. Uh, there's, this, there's this encounter that I want to have with you. It's not just a one-way relationship. This is me connecting with you. This is me able to call. This is this, me a confident to be able to come into the very presence of God. This is me able to come just as I am into his presence. God invites us into that secret place. Infinite wants to encounter the finite. See, God isn't intimidated by my, my brokenness. He's not intimidated by my fear. He's not intimidated by, by my shortcomings. Because this morning, he's not, as God spoke this morning about a heart, he's not, in, he's not intimidated by half a heart or a, or a lukewarm heart. But he, what he's saying is, what I do in my presence is I change your heart. And he wants your whole heart. He wants you to come into his presence in a way as you are, but he doesn't want you to leave his presence as you are. He wants to bring that healing. See, in his presence is the place where perfection overshadows imperfection. Where grace enables us to see his face. Where absolute purity washes over our impurity. And his infinite worth sings over our, our unworthiness. Beautiful. Beautiful. For me, just in my walk with the Lord, I've, I've endeavored to, I've endeavored, not always got it right, that's for sure, to remain with a posture of humility and understanding the mercy of God. The mercy seat in the tabernacle on, on the on the Ark of the Covenant was on top of the law, the budding Aaron's rod, and the manna. It covered God's provision, God's power, God's promise. Mercy. Mercy washes over us. And we realize it's in mercy we can approach him. But the mercy is there. Amen? Yay, okay. It's quite heavy and weighty, but I'm hoping you see the positivity of what we call to, what we need to lead our children into, understanding mercy. The final thing with regard to building an altar is we remember and celebrate why we live. Joshua chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, I haven't got it there, but
but it speaks about when Joshua came through the river and they put out, they had to get stones from the middle of the river, huh? They had to go build an altar on the promised land side. They built an altar, they built a monument to the Lord, to what he has done. By the way, those stones were shaped by the river. Are you shaped by the river? Spirit, you'll, you'll, I might touch on that just now. They built this, and it says there that these, this pile of stones of the 12 tribes will be a reminder forever of what God did here. There's this something of we're called to live our lives for eternity. We're called to live our lives for the glory of God alone. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in Hebrews 12, let us put off all the stuff that hinders and the sin that drags us down and the lead, the lead in our boots. Let's put aside because there's an eternal glory waiting. Eternal glory waiting. I've shared the story in other contexts. Uh, some of you may have heard this one. Um, especially those who come around <laughs> with me. So, but it's just something that's been very real for me. A um, friend of ours, uh, some of you may know Pete Howard Brown. Okay. Um, you know that his, uh, his daughter Sarah passed away in December. She was 27 years old. Um, married in Zimbabwe, flourishing ministry, flourishing marriage, good for, uh, just going for Jesus, impacting people's lives, in giving birth to a second child. The older child is two years old. He's giving birth to child, second child, two weeks old. She gets, she gets a clot in her brain, goes to hospital. And the husband, I went to the, I went to the memorial service, and the husband sitting on the bed the night before she died, he sits on the bed and knowing that this is it, this is last night with her while she's still breathing in this body. He's got this question for the Lord. And he says, Lord, you didn't give her the choice. And so he goes, um, so this is what he's grappling with. The next day, he has, she's passed away. And as he's walking around, uh, as he's, Processing what's happened to his family, young family, two kids. Why, Lord? <laughs> he, he asked the question again. Lord, you didn't give her a choice. You didn't give her a choice. And he heard the Lord. He said, audibly heard the Lord's voice saying, I did give her a choice. She saw heaven's reality and made the choice. We live our lives for eternity. There's James Bond movie. He's got a, uh, well, I don't know if it's the latest one. says, the world is not enough. The world's not enough, man. Uncle Will, he's one of the witnesses watching us. So we build this altar. And I'm going to do the last two very quickly because I want to land these. I want us to ask, can you see this thing of the kids and what we, we build altars in our lives. This is how we build a culture. Remember what God is doing, what he has said. What he is doing, his presence. We, we remember, we build altars all the time, every day, a culture of testimony, a culture of God's working in our lives, a culture of our, uh, our, the, the, this divine inv invitation to his presence. I want to just read this to you just before I go. So if you don't, this is from uh, John Piper. I'll read it out to you. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, 
It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. Are our lives. <laughs> says it quite well. <laughs> you picture, so the second thing is you picture ten. So you build an altar, you picture ten. This talks about family. How are we going to shape? How are we going to build culture? You build it in family. And last night, as I was going over my notes, I thought, there's a scripture that just dropped into my heart. Right there was Isaiah 54, where the tent, you know, about, about um, yeah. So I think you all know the scripture. I don't know if you've got it up there. But it says something about, sing a barren woman, for you born no children. Let me, can you, have you got it up there? I, don't, I didn't print it down. Have you got it there? Isaiah 54. Okay, I'll summarize. It's all right. It says, sing a barren for you, for you who have had no children. For more are going to be your, your descendants of you than her that is married. Remember that. Then it says, 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 stretch your table. Stretch, okay? And there's strength in your stakes and spread out. And I felt, man, it's a different view of that scripture about a tent. And I thought, this is what happens when we're in family. And I'm not going to spend, because we know I've sp spoken a lot about family. First of all, it's a, it's a place of singing. It's a place where you find joy. Man, we've been through a tough time, COVID, and all these things. Uh, but I think so often we lose sight of joy, and it's joy in the sadness. Sing, O barren woman. It's the singing that happens despite the circumstances. And, and I... I would love us to be known as a people of joy. That the over, that the over um, shadowing atmosphere in our churches amongst us as a family is not this is uh, <laughs> hard. No, we're singing while it's hard. There's joy in our hearts despite what's happening in our lives. And I'll say that I truly myself have found true joy and being committed to a local church since before I got saved. I've, I've, I've been part of a local church since I was born. And uh, that's my testimony. God's been good. I revel in that and just what God's done. The second thing is that happens in families is stretching. There's growth. We grow when we live in our accountable relationships with one another. We're stretching. God wants us to grow in our character. And with, with one another, iron sharpening iron and speaking truth to one another. And sometimes speaking the truth in love, in love isn't just a correctional thing. It's sometimes just saying, well done. The truth. We don't pat people on the back because to make them feel good. We speak the truth in love. We build courage and we encourage one another. Uh, and we grow and become more and more like Jesus. Third thing that happens, we strengthen. Uh, in family, we strengthen to go through the times of difficulty and where, where our foundations are, are put very deep in family. And finally, um, we spread out. There's, this, there's room for everyone in this family. There's room for everyone. That, that movie, um, just one more. What's that? On the Hill, what's it called? That, that movie, uh, the war movie. The guy... 
Right there, Hexo Ridge. Just one more. Just one more. Three-year-old, just one more. Just one more child. Just one more. One more. Just one more. There's always room. That's racket. It's stretching and spreading. Kim, the other day, was um, well, a while back. Well, it was going through some feeling bad. <laughs> I don't know what it was. And we were, we were sitting uh, with our grandchildren. You can see the Lord speaks a lot to our grandchildren. And Kim was a bit down. I can't remember what it was. Uh, and Harper, the older one, seeing, seeing her demeanor, shuffles up to her like she does. She comes close. She sits close to Kim and she says, Nana, make sun, not shade. You think of nothing as, as, as a congregation, as people in your relationships. Just to remember, are you making sun or shade? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Are we building one another? Are we speaking? Are we loving? Are we caring? Okay. The final thing is we dig a well of the Spirit. And I think I don't need to spend too much time on this because I think that's what you're speaking about when you're talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. My life changed. I come from a Baptist background. Got saved in the Baptist church, got baptized in water in the Baptist church, got filled to overflowing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Methodist church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it radically changed the way I read the Bible, the way I saw church, the way uh, God did something in us. Kim comes from a Assemblies of God, so she was like immersed in that when we got married. Which is wonderful. So, so yeah. And uh, when we dig a well, and I, I just got the scriptures. Uh, says Jesus answered, "Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I give to them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So there's a measure of eternal of eternity in every single one of us." And we are in the business by the Spirit of touching each other with eternity. It's something of heaven's reality each day. That's the Holy Spirit in us, filling us. He's a person of the Holy Spirit, making God real. And we can either strive or surrender. We strive in our own strength, strive in what God, what we feel we can do, or strive and try and make things better, or be the best we can be. I think that came out this morning as well. Or we can surrender. See, striving is about self-reliance. And when we self-reliant, we'll never be fully satisfied. But when we surrender, next is always more. Next is always more. Philippians 1 verse 6. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you and me We'll carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Did we get the worship team up? I don't know. Worship team up. So that's that's my heart. That's my heart for, for us, that we build a culture of passionate followers of Jesus, devoted to him in relationship, devoted to his word, devoted to his people, and devoted to doing this until eternity. 
Are you, bu- are you building altars in your life consistently? Is there, is there a testimony of God's presence and God's power in your life? Have you come under the tent of this family fully where you are secured, we are safe, we are being stretched, and when you're reaching out to the ones and twos that are lonely, God bringing the lonely into family. And by no means the least. <laughs> How's your well? Of your spirit? Are you overflowing? Are you overflowing with the spirit? Can I pray for you guys? And, uh, and then maybe if you would like to round it. Father. Man. <laughs> We want to be so about your business, whether it's in the children's ministry, whether it's in comms, whether it's as family, that we, there's something of a, a working in our lives because we are your masterpiece. And you've called us to be part of what you are doing and make it a meaningful contribution to what you're doing through this church, through this congregation, that we produce... The fruit of many lives changed. And so, Father, I thank you just for that invitation for us to know you. To know what you have planned for us. That invitation to come straight into the very presence of God. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be wells of living water. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now at this moment, I know you've done so much and said so much this morning about our hearts, that there would be that shift in our hearts, that we would become those, that our heart would be like this well that is just waiting to be filled and filled and full to overflowing. The people whose lives come into contact with us or we in, c- in contact with them would be blessed <laughs> by the collateral blessing of the overflowing work of the Spirit in our lives, the water of life, the very person of Jesus. But a, a couple of weeks ago, my my youngest grandchild, I was busy in, in our house, and um, she, I, f- I felt a nagging on my on my pants, and it was papa, papa, papa. And uh, eventually, I was a bit distracted by stuff. Eventually, I looked down at her, I said, "What do you want, my What do you want, my girl? What do you want?" And she said this to me, and I just <laughs> softened my heart, and she said, "Papa, all I want is you." For a grandparent, you know what that does. just fills your tank for the next. Where's your heart, daddies? All I want is you. All I want is you. I I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to know what you have to say to me. I want to live my life fully for you. That's probably where I want to land this. Lord, all we want is you, and we want to be used by you. So Holy Spirit, I pray, even as I've, shared my heart and from the scriptures and I trust us just strengthened stretched whatever is needed to do that every single one of us here 
will be those conduits of your mercy, conduits of your love, conduits of your kindness, conduits of your truth. And in being that God, we want to see our children, we want to see our brothers and our sisters and those who are moms and dads in our lives. We want to see every single one come into fullness of what you have for us, God. Because our destinies are entwined together. My inheritance is entwined with this congregation's inheritance and vice versa. And together, Lord, together, we want to become your masterpiece. So we will press on. Like Caleb said, God, we will press on. As we enter the promised land, I'm going to take this high ground. I'm going to take it because this is what God has promised me. And while I breathe, every breath you give in grace to me is not only grace to breathe, but it's grace to live out your destiny, your plan in my life. Stir us again afresh for that, fri- that, in- that, that passion to live for you and your ways in Jesus' name.